The following talk was given at St. Maximian Colby Catholic Church on Tuesday, February 6th as part of the Family Formation Program. In this talk, Alan Bear of Your Holy Family Ministries talks about God's love within the family. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Gracious God, creator of all things, pure love in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I ask you to be with our conversation this evening as we talk about probably the most important thing that we can do as families, and that is to love, and specifically to guard, reveal, and communicate love to the world in which we live. I ask you to be with each of these families as they seek to understand love, as they seek to teach their children to love, and as they seek to transform their family into something that speaks love without saying a word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what is love? Anybody give me a concise definition of what love is? Love is action. Love is putting other people's needs in front of your own. Okay. Patient. Patient. Love is very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> very difficult. Oh, don't I know it? <laughs> Love is sacrifice. Well, let me read you what God says about love. If you've ever been to a wedding, you know this. But I want you to put aside a wedding because many times you go to weddings and all you see is the expensive dress and the, the, the expensive food and everything that goes along with a big production, which is a wedding. But God's love is not that. It's like when, uh, who is it, uh, Jeremiah, Elijah, Elijah, he said, God told him, go up to this cave and hang out there, I'm going to be passing by. And he went up there, and he heard the thunder and the lightning and all this stuff, and God wasn't in any of that. It was in the quiet whisper. So let's hear the quiet whisper, which God inspired St. Paul to write about love, and listen to it without that cloud of maybe some weddings that you've gone to. Maybe even your own where you had this. My own wedding, I don't remember a whole lot. I mean, I remember it, but was I into it? Was I feeling love like this? Maybe not. It, there was too much going on. So put all that aside and just listen to these words because this is what Pope Francis did in his most recent, was it an apostolic exhortation? It's his teaching on love, um, Amoris Laetzi. It was actually his teaching on family, the love within the family. And he took a whole chapter and he talked about this passage from Corinthians. And it's beautiful. It was one of the included articles I sent out an email. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love is not pompous. It is not inflated. 
It is not rude. It does not seek its own interest. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And think about where we have seen that. We've seen it in the life of Christ. Right? Even when Paul talks about uh, the, the mystery of, of a husband and wife, he says, but I refer not to them, I refer to the church. Right? Everything Paul writes about love, he learned from the church, which is Jesus. If I hadn't come in here to look and see where the crucifix was, that one's too nice. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's like a resurrection almost. Over there we have a crucifix. Right, that, was, that was the crowning moment of love. Now, how many of you, when you're sitting in, in church and you look up at the crucifix behind the altar, is that the first thing that comes to your mind is, what great love? It should be. It should be. But we don't always think about it. In fact, I, I see the cross all the time. I go into the, I go into the church and I, I see the crucifix and I don't always think about how much love there was there. There was. So God's love is not the love that we typically see today. Now, we might have seen it during Hurricane Harvey. I know I did. I mean, I came down here. I went to Port Aransas, and I saw love. I saw a lot of what Paul talks about here. After 9-11, we saw a lot of love. Did it last? No. Right. Now, okay, so go back and let's see where maybe we don't see love. I don't have to point out too many examples. I always use politics because it's so obvious. You go back to the last presidential campaign. Did you see love? Let's see here. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing. Okay, I don't even have to read very far. You could take most all of this and use it and go, you missed the mark. Not, not, not one side or the other, but all parties involved, most every race. It was, it was teaching our children. It was teaching us. It was teaching our society. Who got the prize? Maybe the one who, who committed the worst of these? Eh, I think it's both equal. But you look at it and you say, that's what works. That brought success. Somebody got the prize. And maybe there was somebody in the race at some point that got weeded out very early who might have actually loved like this. I don't know. I didn't see anybody. Nobody stood out. There was no Mother Teresa running for office. <laughs> see, she knows. There was no Mother Teresa running for office. It does not please the world to love like this. It's vulnerable. Say you have somebody that actually gets out there and says, I value your feelings more than mine, and if you call me names, I'll say I deserve that. Then the scripture talk to us about that specific situation? 
If someone strikes you on your cheek, what are you to do? Strike them back harder? No. Turn the other cheek. If somebody steals your, your uh, jacket, do you beat them up and get it back? No, you offer them the shirt you have on. The love that Christ came to share with us, not through a book, right? God did not just send a book down to earth for us to read and to learn about what love was. He sent a person, and he showed us what love was. So I'll give one example. It goes to one of the, the, the uh, scripture verses we had. Actually, it goes to John Paul II's quote that we read about utilitarianism. So we have God's love, and we have pizza love. Pizza love, and this is from a lady named Mary Beth Bonacci. She used to be a youth speaker. I don't think she's young enough to be a youth speaker anymore. She wrote a book called We're on a Mission, A Mission from God. <laughs> and she talked about pizza love. Anybody here love pizza? Nobody? Chocolate? Something? Okay. So, do you always love pizza? Do you love pizza in the morning? Do you love pizza at noon? Do you love pizza at night? Could you ever get enough pizza? Even when it's growing mold on it? And it's getting old and it's dried out because it sat out all night? Okay, so after the seventh piece. So, do you love pizza unconditionally? Do you love pizza no matter what? No matter if your kid threw up on it, would you clean it off and eat the piece of pizza? Well, so pizza, we only love pizza when it serves our needs, when we're hungry, when we haven't had two whole pizzas. I mean, I've had kids, okay, kids normally love pizza, but after the second or third day of having pizza, they're like, I don't want pizza anymore. I'm done. <laughs> now, in a week, they'll want pizza again. Pizza love is the love that we see in our culture today. You can look at it in uh, social media. You can look at it uh, with our kids that go to school. That they are loved for what they can do for someone else. And you may not, the kid may not say that to another, but that's what they mean. I love you so much because you're beautiful. I love you so much because you're the star on the track team or the sports team. What happens when that person breaks their leg? Right? Or in the case of a marriage, the vows are very specific. Well, normally, I mean, some people write their own, but in a Christian church, you're going to say, I, I come freely to give myself to you totally, um, to be faithful to you forever, and, and for our relationship to bear fruit through the good times and the bad, sickness and in health, richer or for poor. We say all those things in front of everybody so that we have witnesses. So that at some point when we don't feel like loving someone who got cancer and lost all their hair or is no longer fun to be with but a burden to carry. Now I know a, I know a person who, uh, well, within, within their marriage, the, the man got sick. He got sick and he wasn't going to get better. It was a mental health issue. And his wife um, was very happy for a while because they went to the parties. They, uh, they did all the fun stuff. 
But when he got sick, she started to stay away more and more and more. She didn't really understand the vow she made. At least it didn't appear so. Now, was it an easy cross to pick up? No. I mean, nobody wants that. Right? Those of you that are, that are married, you don't even want to think about your spouse being in a horrible accident where they're unable to take care of themselves and you basically become a nurse. You have to change your life. You have to get rid of the breakable dishes because they can't hold dishes very well and they'll drop them. You have to clean up messes because maybe they drop cups. Well, it's the same thing we have with kids, but <laughs> they grow out of it. But for others, they, they might not. And loving, even though it's difficult, is what Jesus did. That's God's love. We don't love pizza unconditionally. Most of our kids, they don't learn that love from their peers. In fact, they absolutely don't learn that love from their peers. There might be one or two examples but the overall society says, I love you for what you can do for me. Janet Jackson sung a song about it. What have you done for me lately? It's very self-centered. And that's the love that we see in our culture today. And the love that God says can be overcome. That we can bring authentic love to this world because he showed us how to do it. He didn't drop a book from the sky that says there's how to love. He didn't uh, drop out of this guy at age 30 and say, let me tell you how to be loved. He affected a lot of people in those 30 hidden years when he was a baby and had to be cared for and have a diaper changed and be fed. A lot of times we don't think about that. There was a lot that happened in that family that was just sanctifying that family was just being love and transforming the world around that family. I've read private revelations of what it may have been like for the Holy Family. And if you think about it, and some of the ones I read were just, they were just beautiful. That the people that came into the house of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, that they just went over to the house because they wanted to be around them. Are our homes the same way? Do people, like when you invite them over, they go, absolutely, I'd love to come over. I, I come there and I, I, I sense love. Well, we've sort of experienced that in our family and in our own imperfect love within our own home. We've had other people who may have come from divorced families or just not had a good home life. They would just come and hang out at our house with our, with our kids. Never thought about it much recently and it's like huh because one of the young ladies wrote a, a letter to me when she got to college and I think I don't know if it was I don't think it was an assignment I think it was something she wanted to do and she wrote me a letter she was from a divorced family and uh, she said I just want to thank you for welcoming me into your home and allowing me to be part of a normal family a family that was still intact and loved each other and uh, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. What came through our family was the love of God. As imperfect as we may be able to do, right? I mean, none of us can be perfect at it. It takes a lifetime to be perfect at it for an individual, 
for a family, it will never happen. It just won't. You're always going to have some person in that family that is going to struggle with loving as God loves. And it may be multiple people in that family. And they may feed off of each other. There's a chapter in a book that, that we as a family have read. And the book's about courtship. It's a very nice book about just a, the way Catholic family life could be and should be. And um, one, one chapter, it's just kind of out of nowhere. This one chapter, you could take that one chapter, publish it, and it'd be fantastic because it talks about how um, you know, one of the kids, the eight kids of this particular family in the story, that um, somebody woke up, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, just not in a good mood, came downstairs and just started barking at people. And it just escalated, you know. Mom got, maybe it was mom who was, I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but it just fed off of each other. And the dishes were wrong, and then dad comes in, and he starts complaining that, well, the dishes never get washed, and, you know, why do I, you know, just, it just went on. You probably even experienced this maybe in your own families of origin, or maybe in your own family. And it was the two little ones that were outside playing mass. <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a novel, right? It may not happen, but <laughs> some families might have that. Ours does from time to time. They came inside, and they, they noticed something was wrong. And they just kept playing, and, and they, they just really brought back in love because they were outside enjoying each other's company. They came back in, and they went and picked up the pencils, the art, the art stuff that got spilled on the um, uh, stairs that kind of started the whole thing. And then it says, just as the pebble going into the uh, lake can cause ripples everywhere, one act of love can still the waters again. And, and you see it. When somebody says a kind word and says, I'm sorry, you can dispel all of that lack of love, lack of charity. So I mentioned this in, in the opening prayer, right? The mission of the family, as John Paul II wrote about, is to guard, reveal, and communicate love. And my wife and I, when we, when we felt this call to do a ministry to families, we went looking for what was the mission of the family. What was God's plan for family life? And if you search God's plan for family life, I don't know if you'll find anything on the internet. Hopefully you find our website. You never know. Um, but it's not obvious. If you go ask a, a, a priest, what is God's plan for family life? I'd say your odds of getting an answer from someone would be pretty small. Because it's not something that people think about. God's plan for family life. Huh. Let your family just figure that out on their own. But Pope John Paul II said it's to guard, reveal, and communicate love. So what is that? So I just put down a couple of little thoughts for me. Because to me, if the family is love, it will have an effect on the world. So guard love. In order to guard love, you have to know what you're guarding. If you're guarding pizza love, you're in trouble. You have to know what love is and practice it within your family. Reveal. They will know we are Christians by our love. The way that we treat one another in our family. So they'll know we're Christians, in the case of a parish community, by our love. They should know. We are Christians by our love. Let's put it that way. 
When people meet us and they say, why do they act that way? I mean, say Max. He showed love. He showed love like Jesus. Does everybody know what the, the, the sign over there on the door is? You know, it says the, the two crowns room. Does anybody know what that means? Well, okay, she knows. Tell us, what are the two crowns? In a vision, Mary offered him two crowns. He says, which one would you want? He says, I want both. So St. Maximian Kobe, if you don't know, um, he gave his life for a father. And, and I don't think that's, that's a coincidence. This was a father of a family. That father of that family attended his, beatif his, his either beatification or canonization. Right? He was alive when St. Max was, was declared a saint. His family... Really? Well, I knew that St. Max's relative came here. I didn't know that the man who, who he saved came here as well. That is so cool. Yeah. He did not, St. Max did not value his own life. He valued other people more. Now, I don't think he interviewed the guy. He probably didn't even know the guy before he said, I'll take his place. The man was in such anguish, and he says, I have a family. And St. Max, apparently without any hesitation at all, said, I will take his place. That's God's love. So you think about that in the context of family. How do we love like that within our family? We cannot give what we do not ourselves possess. So if you're trying to teach your family love, you must possess it. And you can't do that if you're selfish. You can't do that if you are not patient, if you are not kind, if you are jealous, if you are pompous, if you are inflated in your own ego, if you are rude, if you seek your own interest, if you are quick-tempered, if you brood over injury, don't bury the hatchet, you know, <laughs> hold grudges, if you rejoice over wrongdoing and the misfortune of your neighbor, if you don't bear all things, if you don't believe all things, and this is all in reference to ah, the Pope does a much better job of explaining the ending Believe, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I just look at the cross and say, Christ said, this is what's required of me. This is God's plan for me. I'm going to bear it with joy, even. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to hope in God. And I'm going to endure it for however long God wishes me to endure it. And that can be said for a family life, too. I was talking to a... Uh, an engaged person, and I was telling him that, uh, you know, when you get married, because he's not Catholic, I said, uh, Christian marriage is about loving unconditionally. I said, oh, well, I've thought about that. Yeah, and, and you know, for most things, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. There might be some things that would be really hard. I actually met a guy who, who divorced his wife because he found some text message on her phone that indicated she was cheating on him. 
And I mean, there might have been more to it than that, but he, he shared with me, he says, when we got married, I told her, I said, everything's good, but if you ever cheat on me, I'm done. And she agreed to the marriage. And that's what he thinks she did. And they got divorced with two kids. And she was pregnant at the time. Now, I don't say that to shame him. That is the way of the world. And you look at the issue of abortion, and you say, oh, well, it's okay, unless in the case of rape or incest or, I mean, and some people will say, well, I don't think it's okay for anybody to get an abortion, but if through no fault of their own, then that's okay. It's like this, this rationalization of love. I will love you until. I will love you this far, but no further. That's what our world says. And some of the limits are actually getting very short. I'll love you until I see something that I misinterpret on social media. And then I will crucify you. And all my friends will too. And you will be an outcast. And this happens as adults too. It does. So learning to love is not easy in this world. We as parents have that capability. Our children, especially if they're young, do not. They soak up their environment so much. It's not what you say, it's what you do. You can say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and if you never spend any time with them, they will not believe you. You can say, I love you, I love you, I love you, how were your grades? And unless you get an A, I'm not happy. One of the things Dr. Sachs talks about in his book on the collapse of parenting is that children are not learning unconditional love in the home. They've never experienced it because all of the approvals that their parents give to them are all based on accomplishments. Did you, are you at the top of your class? Did you study for this test? Did you, did you, did you? How well are you doing? And many of us may have experienced that in our own family of origin. Of, and your parents didn't mean it that way, more than likely. Maybe not in all cases. But many times, parents are just not aware how, how speaking in those terms affects a child that is just wanting to be accepted and loved for who they are and told, you know, I know you're trying your best. And that's all I can ask. And I love you, no matter if you make straight A's because it's just school and maybe you're not a good test taker. That whole idea of utilitarianism, what value do you bring to this culture? That's the reason why many people say abortion's not that important because those people never actually lived. What's the loss to society? Then somebody talks about, uh, who is it, Einstein, right? Or Mozart, I think, was the one that was born to a mother who was single and had all these, these problems, and it would have been exactly the person who would have been coerced into an abortion today. Right? But people don't look past that. They look and see how much value you bring to society. So it's hard to love as God loves, to view everyone as bringing something unique in God's plan to this world. To look at even your children. I mean, we have nine children. I can look at all nine of them, and some of them have more utility than others. They just do. Maybe it's more utility to me because of my own personality. But I love each one of them. 
And I look for what can they bring to this family and maybe to this world? Where are their unique gifts? And that's hard to do sometimes, but we're called to do it. God does it. He looks at us and sees what we could be and longs for us to embrace that. So the better that we love our, we learn to love ourselves, meaning we ourselves learn to love, the better we'll be able to show that to our family. Because if we don't know what love is, we certainly can't show it to our family. And all the words I'm saying right now may inspire you to love better, but I'm not actually teaching you to love. That's up to the master. So here's some practical ways. Force yourself to serve the poor. <laughs> if there's anybody <laughs> that you could just say, you know what, I just don't want to deal with that. I mean, I've, I've heard people, when you talk about the homeless, you, know, you have homeless here in Houston. You see them on the street corners? And it's a natural thing to go by and go, oh, this person probably doing drugs or you know, they did it to themselves. You have to resist that. You have to resist that. You don't know that story. You don't know what plans God has for them. You might not even remember that they too are a child of God that is loved by God as much as you are. And, but for the grace of God, that could be you. That's part of putting yourself. So serving the poor is incredible to do. To find a way to serve those who are considered the least in society, can offer the least to society, and still serve them. Force yourself to love your enemies. <laughs> if you pray for this, by the way, if you pray for God to teach you how to love, you will encounter the poor. You will encounter enemies. You may even get a few new ones. <laughs> and he's teaching you how to love. Because it's easy to love somebody that loves you. Agreed? Agreed? Yeah. But when someone doesn't love you, can you still wish the very best for them? Can you still say, I wish heaven for you as you are yelling at me and scurrying profanities and telling me how my wife and my kids are a bane to their existence? I mean, you know, whatever the worst thing you can think of, somebody that hates you, can you just sit there and take it? Maybe not, not any physical violence, but... Can you just sit there and take it and go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. And somehow love them back. Somehow still desire what is best for them. Put others first. We had that comment earlier about not being selfish. Put others first. And if you don't know how to do that, go look online. St. Jose Maria Escrava will tell you all about how to put others first in a very Spanish method. <laughs> and the Spaniards, they're blunt. And so, just start reading. Search for Jose Maria Escrava. All of his writings are online, available to pull down anytime you want. They're very short. You can look up, how do I do prayer better? How do I do this better? And he'll tell you in very blunt terms, here's how you love better, in every one of those ways. Put others first. It's Lent, Lent's coming up. Put others first. 
St. Jose Maria Escobar do little things. When you're in line for uh, the airplane and you want to get on first to get the best seat, let somebody else go in front of you. Maybe not the whole plane, but let somebody go in front of you. And do it with a smile. Because wouldn't you have preferred to let somebody go in front of you? You know, that whole thing about paying it forward, you, you get up to the uh, McDonald's and the lady at the register says, hey, that person in front of you just paid for you. That's nice. You have to do the same for the person behind me or somebody at the grocery store when a mother's having a meltdown and her kids are really causing trouble. And she's looked, pulled out her wallet and is short a few bucks or left her wallet at home. Would you go up there and say, it's okay, I'll take care of that. Maybe that's what you're called to do. Look for those ways where you can put somebody else ahead of you. You won't even have to teach your kids love if you do all those things. To the extent you learn to love is the extent that your children will learn to love from you. Children are the best, and I have a brother that can prove that. Children are the best at seeing hypocrisy. <laughs> That's one thing I remember about you, <laughs> is you always saw hypocrisy in folks who were hypocrites. <laughs> you call them out on it. Kids do it without even thinking about it, especially teenagers. They will see you and they'll say, how dare you tell me not to drink? I see you drinking every night. And in fact, you get drunk. Who are you? So if you're telling your children to be nice and to be selfless, they better see you doing it. Otherwise, they're not going to believe you. Why, is it only good for me as a kid? What about you as an adult? Maybe when I become an adult, I don't have to act like that. Can't give what you don't have. Second part of that, spend time in prayer. Ask for it. If you ask for something in prayer, this is a bonus from the prayer session, I guess. If you ask for something in prayer, God will give it to you. Are you open to receive it? If you pray for patience, don't be surprised if God gives you a lot to be patient about. Somebody told my wife once that she had a ton of patience, and that must be the only way she could have all these children. She said, how do you think I got it? God gave me all these children, and I'm learning patience. Read Scripture. Read Scripture. Scripture is the Word of God. It's not a dead script. If you've been reading this, and I heard a lot of different comments about the Scripture, it's not what God said to me. Maybe He did say that to me tonight. Scripture is alive. It is the living Word of God. Jesus said, I am the fulfillment. Everything that was written before me was about me. And let me tell you guys on the road to Emmaus, everything that pointed to me. And then the New Testament was writing down the deeds of Jesus and what he did and really sharing God in a written form. But it is alive. Read scripture. Spend time in adoration and prayer asking for a heart to love like Jesus. He will grant it to you. You just may not be happy with the way that he teaches you. Only because it's hard. And if you ever think that it's really, really bad for yourself, do the Stations of the Cross. And look at them and read them. St. Jose Maria Escrivá again, has a great meditation on the way of the cross. It's detailed. 
You put yourself into that place on the Via Dolorosa. As Jesus is walking, or scourging, I mean, the scourging alone should have killed him. But as he is walking and he is looking at everybody, he, he could have just laid down. They, they would have gotten him up the hill somehow. He didn't have to do it on his own. But he did it for love of us. Because even on the cross, he had one soul that he saved, and it was recorded in Scripture. If he had not made it up to that cross, the good thief would not have been in paradise with him. So think about that as you are figuring out how you can love so that you can teach your family what love is. God wants us to love, and he chose a family to bring love into the world, to share it in a very personal way with the world. And he calls all families because God designed families. He calls us to be the vessels of his love, to live it out the best that we can and to slowly change the world, one family at a time. People will ask you, what's your secret when they see love? Because it's only gonna get more and more important. As people encounter a lack of love everywhere, when our kids go out into the world, they're going to encounter a lack of love. And they will yearn to come home and be somewhere where they are loved, where they don't have to worry about someone backstabbing them for a perceived injustice. So does everybody know what they need to do now? Everybody know the way to do it? It's the same recipe as anything God asks us to do. We have to learn from the master, and we have to pray, because that is developing our relationship with God. We have to strive to love those closest to us, which is sometimes the hardest thing to do. God's love is not conditional. He does not love us because we obtain some great achievement. He does not love us because we are beautiful. He does not love us because we love him. He loves us because of who we are and by the mere fact that He is our Father. There is nothing we need to do to earn His love. He only desires us to love Him back. But even if we completely reject Him and mock Him and offend Him, He will never stop loving us. In fact, He will pursue us even more to save us from ourselves. The more we run away from His love and reject Him, the more He will do to draw us back to Himself. God's love may seem irrational and even foreign to our society, but that may be due to our lack of experience with it. Through prayer, frequent reception of the sacraments, and reading scripture, we can come to a better understanding of God's love and thus be able to love our children as God loves us. And to the extent that we learn to love, our families too can share God's love with the world around us. Thank you for listening. For more information on Your Holy Family Ministries, please visit yourholyfamily.org.